Hi everyone, this is Inside Dance with Taylor and Alex. Featuring your hosts, Taylor Bradley. And Alex Yankovic. Hey guys, and welcome back. Thank you again so much for your continued support, for always tuning in uh, and giving us a listen. We really, really appreciate it. Um, and make sure that you are up to date in all the ways that you can be following us on social media. We are on Instagram at Inside Dance Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review to stay up to date with us. Lastly, we want to hear from you guys. So please feel free to write us an email at insidedancepodcast at gmail.com. All right. Welcome back, Alex. Another week. What's new? What's happening? I'm not going to ask you how you are because I do that every week and I know you're great. So I don't know. Do you have like a fun fact or anything like that? Not a fun fact, but I have to say I am very much above water right now. It's just been, it was a really great, amazing weekend. And I just feel like I started off this Monday. Uh, It's Wednesday for you guys, but this Monday, really, really strong. And I'm just super excited for the week to continue. I'm in a really good mood. I love that. I'm glad. Yeah. Special highlights for you. Um, well, I'll start with the lowlights. Uh, apologies. I sound a little bit hoarse, um, but it comes from a good place. Um, I did a lot of teaching last week and over the weekend. Um, one of the dance studios that I work with here locally in Las Vegas did like a in-studio adjudication, which was so great to get to see my students perform. Um, but I was getting a lot of feedback and we all know I like to talk way too much. So um, it sounds much worse than it is though, but I'm very much, I'm right there with you. I'm feeling good. I'm optimistic. Um, I'm really Ready. I feel like we're transitioning into spring. And um, as we said last week, I'm literally a plant. So uh, <laughs> it makes me happy. It makes me very excited to just, to just move forward. I feel that too. Well, before we get talking a little bit more, let's uh, get into our community spotlight for this week. And this week we are calling attention to the National Dance Coaches Association because they just launched this new inclusion and engagement program called My Dance Story. The National Dance Coaches Association and Inside Dance would love to hear from you. As part of the NDCA wide-reaching inclusion and engagement initiative, the association is going to tell the stories of dancers from around the country and the world who are breaking molds, busting glass ceilings, and making differences. You'll be able to find these stories weekly on NDCA's social media platforms and within the pages of Inside Dance. I love that. And it's It's almost, I feel like in this generation, there's so much obviously exchange of information and dance videos and Instagram and social media and all that. Um, It's so easy to find a coach or a team or a dancer that you love and you watch, but it's so interesting to hear their backstory. And especially I feel like I geek out on like um, the older generation, you know, my my dance teachers, my mentors, um, hearing their successes and how they got to where they were um, and then comparing that contrasting that with today's generation right so i love this i think it's a really really cool initiative head over to the ndca website nationaldancecoaches.org and share your story with them today and you can find these links below in our description i was thinking about this the other day my coaches and my teachers we forget how important they are a lot of times but really their sole purpose is to believe in you. And I think there's a lot of times I doubted myself as a dancer or as a performer. And 
I cannot even describe how much it meant to me to have a person of authority believe in me. And it made me want to work harder. And I was like, oh, wait, no, I can do this. And that's a big part of it. And I think both of us being educators, I think about that all the time. Like you really have to pay attention to the students, call them out by name and look at what they're doing. Because when you have those eyes on you and someone believing in you and pulling, wanting to pull certain things out of you, I feel like that's when you get better. Totally. No, I agree. It's that interpersonal relationship that you make beyond just like, it's more than dance steps, right? And we say that all the time, but really it is such a blessing to, to be in a position, like I teach consistently at a few dance studios here, and it's such a different mindset and different skill than just teaching like drop-in classes, which don't get me wrong. I love doing that too, but to really build and foster a relationship with young dancers and then watch them grow and evolve is the most rewarding thing. But it does take that established um, personal connection, right? Of being more than just like, hey, you in the green shirt. Um, But it also takes that professional trust and um, kind of authoritative relationship that can be so beautiful and I'm sure, you know, that's, that's why my dance teachers did what they did. And, you know, I, I think back to that and how many opportunities they provided me with and life skills and support in and outside of the dance studio. And so I hope that I can foster that and reproduce that um, and be that light, that guiding force for a young dancer someday. Well, that goes along really well with the conversation that you and I wanted to have today, because I think starting out as dancers and becoming performers, we're kind of always focusing on longevity in this field and in this career. And I I know I'm thinking about longevity all the time. Last night I was was laying in bed and I was like, okay, what am I gonna do when I'm 50? But weirdly enough, I I feel like I I have my 50 year old plan figured out, (laughs) whether that means I become an agent or something to that effect. But I think it's really interesting to ask yourself, and you don't want to rush it. You don't, we rush so much all the time. You want to be mm-hmm. young, stay young while you're young and enjoy those moments. But I think definitely when you get into those mid twenties, you start to think, okay, do I want to be performing all the time, full time? How else can I be taking my skills and staying in this industry and doing something else? maybe behind the scenes or on the other side of the table. And I think going Mm -hmm. along with that, when you are in that performance mode and working consistently, you have to always be looking around at other people, looking at wardrobe, looking at technicians, looking at the full big picture, because you could be in that position someday too, when your body, it's a lot tougher to keep your body, uh, your stamina high and free of injury it gets harder as you get older and that's just the law of physics and gravity and and just how it is even though i believe i'll be dancing till i'm 75 but i think these are really good (laughs) thoughts to have and i think you know in whatever you do whether you're dancing or you're acrobat or you're an actor it's the same it's actually the same in this industry always seeing what other things you could be doing whether that's directing whether that's writing whether that's choreographing so it's really interesting conversation to have i don't like when we put ourselves in the boxes and i'm definitely you know guilty of that no totally and it's it's tough right because this is kind of that gray area that we deal with when your passion and your career and your hobby are all the same thing, right? We feel bad doing anything other than investing fully into that passion, into that craft. When in reality, 
it's okay. And this is something I'm, I'm learning with myself, especially through, through this pandemic. It's okay to take a step back. It's okay to not be 100% all dance, all performance, all whatever your thing is all the time. Like, I feel like sometimes you're almost guilted or shamed for like, well, if you're not going to give it your all, you're not going to make it here. When in reality, it's, it's a smart thing to do, to look elsewhere. Cause like you said, unfortunately we're not going to be able to dance or move forever. And so at some point, you know, hopefully it's on your terms rather than not on your terms. You make the decision of, okay, what am I going to do? There are artists to quote our guest who's going to talk about this a little bit. She said, there's artists that want to die on stage and they will, until they physically can't move, that's what they're going to do. And there's other artists that don't and both are okay. But it's having that real honest conversation with yourself and saying, okay, what other profession, how can I use my skill set in other ways? Just like you said, wardrobe, back of house, anything like that. But also it's smart to, from a financial standpoint, you know, dance as much as we love it. It's, we don't do it for the money. We do it because we love it. Right. So like right now I'm finding myself in a situation where I'm like, <clears throat> what forms of passive income can I make? Cause even when I'm dancing, 12 shows a week, seven days a week and teaching and training. And you know, it's, you can only do so much before your body starts to break on you. You start to get injured and it's unfortunate, but it's the reality. And so I think it's important. I'm speaking to myself here, but also to any young dancer have other interests, you know, like I want you to fully invest in your career, in your hobby, in your craft, but also have something like you said, Alex, zoom out and have something on the back burner. Just know that that's okay to, to do. It's okay to, to, to have that conversation with yourself. In fact, it's important and it's necessary. It's also that, uh, triggered another thought in me triggered in a good way. I feel like trigger the word trigger sometimes triggers yeah. people. <laughs> it's like a, a yeah. cyclical thing. Uh, but I always encourage myself to make my own stuff. Like if I'm not going to be booking a certain job, I can't get hung up on that. And I'm just going to take that moment to create my own thing. And well, I keep bringing up actors today, <laughs> but it's the same thing. It's the same thing with them as well. It's like they, they do like 300 auditions before actually booking a job. And so in that meantime, that's when they write. So I feel like in the meantime for dancers, like that's when I'm going to choreograph. And I think it's really important for us to always be brave and decide to take the reins in our, like take everything into our own hands. Okay. I have this idea. It's not fully developed yet, but I'm going to find a place where it's going to be fully developed and I'm going to make it work. And then you're passing that time and you're also picking up those new skills while also, you know, uh, staying in your realm that you like. So I think it's always super important to be doing your own work as well on top of everything else. But yeah, I think a little, a little tip and a trick from Taylor and I to any young dancers out there um, is to always be looking at the big picture and as selfish as we can get and we're staring at the mirror all the time at ourselves and we're really trying to perfect ourselves, which is great. We're always trying to work hard. It's really also important to notice what other people are doing because you never know, like 2020 had presented, you never know when that performance opportunity can get taken away from you. So it's really good to just be looking at that whole big picture. And we talk about it in our interview later today, but yeah, I think that's one of the greatest skills you can have. 
This week, our special guest is just that. She's extra special to both Alex and I. Circling back to that idea of a mentor, she's done so many incredible things and really pulled Alex and I out of our shell from behind the casting table. Her performance career boasts Celine Dion's A New Day in Las Vegas, which ugh, still I get like chills thinking about that show. Lorev the Dream, um, Viva Elvis with Cirque du Soleil. Um, and she eventually then transitioned from performer into the former head of casting for that beautiful company, Cirque du Soleil. Uh, she's responsible for bringing both Alex and I to Las Vegas. I'm so, so excited for you to listen in on all of the incredible knowledge she has. Guys, please join me in welcoming this week's guest, Sarah Davison. <laughs> All right, this week we are so, so very excited to welcome our next special guest. Listeners, please help us in welcoming the one, the only, the fabulous Sarah Davidson. Hi, guys. It's so exciting to be here. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. We're so excited to see you and speak to you. It's just such a joy to even to see your face in your cute office. It makes me so happy. So I'm feeling it. I know. I like, I'm trying to think back. What was, Sarah, I don't know the last time that I saw you. It must have been like in the audience in passing uh, during a show or something, but um, it's crazy. Alex and I were chit-chatting um, the other day before we were putting together all of our details for your interview. And it's crazy because it was just about five years ago that we all first crossed paths at the Salt Lake City audition for Cirque du Soleil, um, which is crazy because I feel like it was just yesterday. So um, I guess happy anniversary <laughs> on that note. <laughs> Happy anniversary. I think it's exactly five years. I just saw these little memories pop up on social media, you know, and uh, just uh, really fond memories actually of that audition. I felt like you were able to pick a lot of a lot of dancers from that audition. I just remember it being a powerhouse weekend. It, it was so strong. I mean, we know, you know, we knew going to Utah that you we would be able to to find some good dancers and having Bonnie there with us and yeah. you know being able to bring Silka and, and Katie too. It, it was like a really, really good one for sure. Oh, such a special time. Well, let's dive right into mm -hmm. it. Um, so Sarah, for our listeners that uh, may not know you or may not be familiar with you, uh, do you mind just um, starting off by saying where you're from, kind of a brief um, explanation of how you got into dance um, and maybe your transition into your first professional job. Okay, so I'm going to try not to give you the long version. <laughs> <laughs> We're here for uh, it. So in case you haven't figured it out yet, uh, with my accent, I am French born and raised. Um, I started dance. My mom was a, is a ballet teacher. She was actually trained at the Paris Opera. So she's the real deal. Oh, wow. And she's been teaching my entire life. And I kind of forced her to take me into class. <laughs> I, would, uh, I would do my homework really quick under the desk at the dance school to be able to get into every class, you know. Um, so I started with her and then quickly, you know, people were pointing at me and saying, well, I know you don't want to put your daughter in the highlight, you know, but she's actually got something you may want to pay attention to her. So eventually it was just too hard to stay in mom's class because she wouldn't put me on point shoes at seven years old. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I went into, you know, the whole conservatoire and the, the whole like uh, regional school and national school and all of that. Um, so that was my training. I did the, the Marseille uh, 
National School and then the Conservatoire Supérieur in Lyon. Um, and I was really, I graduated dance college a year before I graduated high school. So that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I started dancing right away more with like small dance companies. Uh, ballet was really my thing. Like I wanted to be a ballerina, except I was like a short muscular dancer. So if you're, if you're in France, uh, if you know anything about French companies, you know, dancers are more long and lean. And so I was really the anti-ballerina back then. <laughs> um, and, and everybody has always told me, you know, you will have to find a career out of this country because you don't fit. You just don't fit. You have the level of the soloist. You're 16. We would have to hire you as a core and you just don't fit physically. So you will have to figure it out somewhere else. My actual first company uh, gig that I was paid for, that I wasn't like, you know, an apprentice or anything, was a jazz company. And I had never taken a jazz class. <laughs> um, this choreographer came to the studio I was training at, and I just went to the beginner class. And, you know, it was like, you don't belong here, come to the next one and to the next one. So I went, I ended up in the pre professional class. And at the end of the day, he said, Why don't you join my company? You're fantastic. Your technique is strong. I know you're not a jazz dancer, but I'll make you a jazz dancer. So that was my first gig. I moved to Paris um, and, you know, did this. Of course, that's not viable. So did the Disney thing on the side. I had like five different jobs at the same time and eventually auditioned for this uh, uh, this show that Franco Dragon was putting together with this singer that everybody kind of knows about <laughs> and the rest is history I mean I, I uh, was hired uh, you know with Celine uh, back in 2002 <laughs> so that doesn't age me at all <laughs> Um, and, uh, and that moved me to Vegas after six months of training in Belgium and I never left. That's incredible. Um, Taylor and I discussed quite a bit about typecasting and how your body shape kind of affects the doors that you get pushed in. We talk about it all the time because, you know, mm -hmm. Taylor's super tall and th those struggles come when you have the technique and you have the facility to be an amazing soloist, but it's like, it's just not for you here, but that's okay. Cause we'll find something else for you. But also I just recently uh, in 2020 rewatched the Celine Dion um, show and I definitely saw you, but honestly, that would be a dream. You know, if it ever resurfaced again, it's just one of the most incredible shows. So I'm, you are so fortunate that you got to have that experience and correct me if I'm wrong, you got to do the creation for that. Yeah, I did oh, the whole creation. I did the entire contract from first day to last day. And it was an absolute dream. I mean, as you as my first, you know, big gig and as what brought me here, I feel extremely fortunate. Um, and uh, it was an incredible family too. Like that the cast that they brought in for this, it was such a diverse cast. It was, you know, everything that ballet had never been for me. Um, so it was really like a mind opener in, in, in every way. That's so incredible. And also, I think everyone, it's interesting as we've gotten older and as we've met more people and our communities expanded, I've realized so many people also had the opportunity to be a part of that show. You know, Miguel Perez uh, mm -hmm. was kind of one of my mentors and uh, he went to University of Arizona. So, and Andre, and there's the list is so long in era and there's so many people. Yeah, it we're everywhere. <laughs> we're <not> everywhere. <laughs> How big was that cast? Because I like, we always joke about like 
obviously for any dancer, like Celine Dion, her music, her artistry was so instrumental in our training. And so how iconic of a show to be in that would be. Um, that was the worst grammar I've ever spoken in my entire life. But um, it, like, it was a huge cast. And we think back now about like a huge cast of dancers, like just dancers, which is amazing. But it was like uh, 20, 30, right? 50. 50, oh my gosh. We were 50 dancers and that's what was incredible, especially with Franco, you know, being the creator of the show that had been Cirque and Circus and Acrobatics and, uh, you know, for, for them to bring solely dancers. Obviously, there were a little bit of aerial, but they trained us for all of that. You know, uh, it, was, it was really solely dancing for most part and that's what was magical it was the strength of that group and that unity that that mm -hmm. just you know would bring celine on that pedestal and just make made her soar even more oh that's so amazing yeah. so you i'm sure you would definitely you know use that as an example as a highlight of your career but do you have anything else that happened after that that you would also put into that category of highlights because i feel like you've probably had quite a few you know, I have been extremely fortunate uh, that from the moment I came to Las Vegas, I have been a working artist. <laughs> uh, so when uh, the show was finally closing, I actually, uh, the, that's when Le Rev was bringing ballroom dance into the show. And I was part of these dancers that were chosen to start workshopping and creating and all of that. So I was actually part of that original cast. Um, so I went straight from you know, Celine to Le Rev, uh, doing ballroom dancing on Hills in Water. And Taylor, you know a thing or two about that. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Give or take the heels, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that, that was um, a continuous work because it was so new and trying to really integrate it in the show. Um, but, you know, the scuba and, and the water element and all of that. And had, I had never taken a ballroom class once again. Uh, and I feel like that's a bit the theme of my career is like, I'm just thrown into things that I have never done before and you just take on the challenge and you make it happen, you know? Um, and, and after that, I did about three and a half years at Le Rev. And in between that, I always, always had my eye on Cirque because, you know, when the first time I saw O, it was just so magical, I cried and that was what I wanted. <laughs> um, and eventually uh, after a contract that I, declined <laughs> I eventually ended up um, uh, with Viva Elvis at Area and did that for a couple years so the, these were the three big shows that I did here in Vegas again I feel so fortunate I mean working with Celine we did so many styles on stage then the ballroom in water and then Elvis same thing like we we were doing stepping we were doing a point shoe number on a cake uh, what else did I do walking on the ceiling or yes. that, yeah, <laughs> so many things. Yeah, it was, it was a, a lot going on in that show, but so much experience, you know? It's so funny, just even in, in this short amount of time that you've described, we've gone from ballerina, like biting at the bit to get in class into I'm not a jazz dancer, into Mia Michaels, lyrical contemporary, into I've never done ballroom a day in my life, into stepping like you are just such, I feel like a textbook example of a chameleon, which is so, so, um, it, it's such a, a, a necessity in, in dance. And Alex and I talk a lot about not only getting typecasted, but also 
kind of putting yourself in that box and getting stuck in your, oh, I'm just a XYZ dancer. And luckily I feel like now this, this upcoming generation, that's not so much a thing anymore. I feel like all these kids coming from young dance troops and competitions, they are the ones that are doing point variations and then also like getting down in the hip hop division. So it's, it's really, really amazing to see that trend be more of a, um, be more commonplace now. But I mean, props to you for, for, for just blazing that trail and, and saying, yes, you can do it all. So um, after having such an incredible and successful performance career, um, what was your transition experience or what was the um, kind of the, the path that took you from performer on stage into casting behind the audition table? Yeah, um, you know, it was an interesting time in my life because I was married. Uh, I was a, a young married woman. You know, we had been married about three years and I was in Viva Elvis. And unfortunately, they had just announced the show was going to close. Um, and at this point, you know, I was 32 <laughs> and I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, OK, so you really have choices in front of you. Either you continue this, you go audition, you go hustle and you're going to be the 30 something year old with and my cast mates were you know 18 19 20 years old in viva elvis so it, it was a really a, a moment where i was like you can do this for 10 more years it's starting to be painful but you can you're strong you know how to take care of your body you you have you know work ethics you you, you know how to do 10 shows a week but do you want it? At this point, I've had a career that exceeded all expectation as far as a dancer, and I had really touched everything. And I had never been that dancer that wanted to die on stage, per se, you know? Uh, <laughs> because there, there's such a thing. There are people that will want to perform until they're, you know, they can no longer move. And that was never me. I always, you know, I always would get into the little project and be like, no, I'll be the light person here. That's fine. Or I will take care of schedules here. Or, you know, I'll, I'll stay manage that one. Don't, don't worry. I'll fix your costume. I'll help you backstage. You know, that was always that person. And growing up with my mom being a ballet teacher, I would always be in the lighting booth, taking care of lighting for her, for her students. Like, so that was always what's more than just being on stage. Um, and it's actually one of our company managers from the show that saw the post for the casting uh, job at Cirque and that said, you know, you, you should apply for this. That really sounds like you. I had, it wasn't even clicking in my head yet. So here I am at midnight. This is the last day to apply. It's actually the deadline day. <laughs> and all I have as a resume is dance, 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 dance. <laughs> so try to put one together. It was a mess, but be the worst resume and send it to the exact same casting director who casted me for the show. Right? So try to change their mind, try, try to, to let them see me in a different light was really the goal there. And uh, luckily, I got an interview and my very first job interview you know, in my life. I only or you show up in like business casual clothes. You have your blazer. You're like, this is a little weird. Where are my fishnets? I totally did. <laughs> I totally put a blazer. Came like way more like business than even the office was, which was hysterical. And I remember Krista Munson, the, uh, the director at the time, looked at me and said, oh, you look good. You look very different. You know? <laughs> And, uh, and I said, well, that's kind of the point. <laughs> um, but yeah, but we had a great interview at first and, and uh, you know, we already had a great feel. I actually had two interviews. The first one was just, hey, why do you want to do this? Kind of, you know, 
why do you want to get off stage? Like you're, you're not going to want to go back in six months or something like that. The second one was actually super deep exercise. I had like hours and hours of videos to look at, actually make assessment, who would be best for the role, et cetera, et cetera. So, and I was still working full time at the show and teaching. So I would be like at 2 a.m. watching all the videos because I had a week to do it all. So committed, you know. Um, and eventually I was supposed to have a third interview that never happened, which stressed me out. And eventually Krista called me and said, hey, we really want you to join the team. We don't need a third interview. Uh, when can you start? And, wow. that was, <laughs> and that was January 26th. And um, my last show was February 4th. Wow. Boom. It's incredible. So your transition was really smooth. The transition was one right into the other, which is really, really rare. So that's a, such a blessing. Oh my gosh. But again, you were always thinking ahead of time, like before you were, you know, done. And then like, what am I going to do next? It was like, oh, I'm thinking ahead of time. What's next? And then you did all of the work that you had to do beforehand so that it was smooth. That's in, amazing. Yeah, and I feel like that's actually a good message and something that's really important for artists to realize, you know, because come a situation like the world we're living in right now, like what, what's your plan B? You know, yes, I know you may still be on stage until you're 40, 50, 60, depending on what you do, 80, uh, but what's your plan B? Like what if anything can happen, right? So. Uh, there's something I want to touch on. Um, being in a performer in, you know, the shows that you were in, I think performers, and this is for our listeners too, we forget when we're kind of on autopilot to look at the bigger picture of all of technical, all of wardrobe, looking how everybody comes together to make this product happen and make it beautiful. And sometimes when you stay in your own world, you definitely limit yourself. So it's really important to be committed to what you're doing, but also be looking around and picking and learning from your peers and kind of stealing what you see there and deciding what you could do differently in situations that are, because then, you know, you come to a, to the point where a casting job is open and your resume is only saying dance, dance, dance. But when you're interviewed, it's like, Hey, I know all 360 about what's going on. So it's fine. It's like, Oh no, you're completely suited, suitable for the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I feel like, you know, that's what was so beautiful about a company like Cirque and, and Dragon and because there was that willingness to share and that willingness to open it. And it was like, we're all a part of it, right? You're not the diva center stage and, and everybody else is working for you. It's we're all working together to make this happen. We, we may be on stage and what the audience see, but I'm nothing without the rigor. I'm nothing without this wardrobe lady. I am nothing without this makeup design, without lighting. I, we're nothing without them, right? And that, that's something that's good to remember, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I know Alex and I have talked so much about um, the, the earned respect for that community around you because, you know, over half the time, those people that are stitching up your fishnets used to be performers or the people that are in rigging were at one time performers. And so um, it, it's like just such a non-negotiable to have that respect and to, and to treat them as equals because they are. And I think kind of t- uh, touching back to what you're saying, Alex, about having that skill of being observational, I think it's so important um, and a, a huge message I, that I try to send to my students in class. I know we all teach and have taught and created uh, and worked with younger students um, 
in the past, and I, I, I always say, you know, you have to use your eyes and, and watch. And if there's so much more than just that one dancer in the room, in the mirror, but then that's such a life skill beyond exactly what you're saying, Alex. It's being observational and learning outside of the world of dance, you know, in any job facet, in any life situation, you know, it's using those audition skills as real life applications, right? Outside of just booking the job and being that performer, which, um, is something that I, I always enjoy talking about with parents when they're like, well, I don't know if this is really, you know, if, if this is a long-term goal. And I'm like, even if your student, even if your daughter's son doesn't want to end up performing on stage, there are so many life skills that we're learning in the studio. And so that's, um, that's been a big passion of mine and a big reminder since I've been teaching a lot more this year, since I haven't been as on stage as much. So, um, but Sarah, so, okay. So, our, our, our physical transition into this new casting position was very smooth. Um, how was it though, like kind of briefly describe your first year, first experience, maybe highs and lows or some, uh -oh, you're laughing. So there must be I'm a funny excited. story here. <laughs> oh goodness. The first year, my gosh. I mean, I had no idea what was going to hit me because I was hired as an artistic advisor, right? My background was heavily dance, but I was also going to take care of characters, clowns, you know, so everything that touched the artistic. So it wasn't just dancing. And I had a ton to learn. Thankfully, my coworkers were so generous, you know, in guiding me and, and cheering. And thankfully, I also had the nose where if I didn't know the exact words or skill sets, I could tell, you know what I mean? which uh, I'm very fortunate. <laughs> I feel like matchmaking, it's kind of in my blood at this point, <laughs> you know? Um, and my gosh, that first year, I went from having to deal with uh, partners in India to find Krishna in love, because at this point, the artistic director really wanted to go uh, something very authentic. So we were looking for dancers in India, which... We hadn't we didn't really have much connections there. Uh, to looking for a six foot tall uh, African American stripper for Zumanity. <laughs> and I believe it was in my first year that we uh, did the, the entire casting for the Light Night Club when shortly Cirque had the Light Night Club. And I that. that was supposed to be just dancers at first, ended up being all kind of things, but that project stayed on my lap the entire time so i was just thrown all these things you know you have to find like a sumo looking guy and this stripper and you know i would go home at night and tell my husband i need to find the lizard like, what are you talking about <laughs> just another day at the office <laughs> the amount yeah the amount of characters and the amount the spectrum yeah, it, it was it was really funny. The funniest was really my husband's face because it was like, what what is you know the exotic stuff you have to find today? Or, <laughs> you know, and I was like, well, today I had to have this guy give a lap dance to my colleague at the audition. <laughs> oh man, yeah, what a transition! A, that, was that first that first year was definitely something I will never forget. And then you know you 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 get further into the circus and it becomes a part of you and, and nothing really surprises you anymore. But yeah, it's not for the faint of heart. I guess that saying, <laughs> that so true. 
not my circus or what what's the saying not my monkeys not my circus that really doesn't apply to you yeah because it is your circus and they are your monkeys <laughs> Taylor, i've never heard that phrase before <laughs> really oh it's one of my favorites it means like don't be bothered that's not your problem mind your own business like you know if you're trying to solve all the that. world's problems you just say listen not my monkeys not my circus so I love that. <laughs> yeah, it was totally my monkeys and totally my circus. And then, you know, it, it gets to the point that you're, you're excited by, by the odd and you're excited by the different, you know. So that was, that was really fun. Like, oh, I have to find a Mr. Piggy today, you know. <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing. So you've obviously been, you know, in the room for countless auditions. What would you say are the biggest do's and don'ts? for performers in an audition and you can speak on it from auditioning for a clown auditioning for a dancer um for an actor for anything you know it's i I say the biggest thing and that's a phrase that we would always start the audition with do not try to show what you think we want to see Um, and that was the biggest thing it's like be authentic be yourself of course be the best you you can be like this is the day you're going to pull out the triple pirouette and this is the day you're you're gonna you know get that choreo really quick and this is the day that you're going to really be uh get get into the depth of, of of who you are as an artist but don't try to show something you're not because a do you really want to be this on stage and B, it's never going to come out as real. And if you're not real, no one will trust you. You know, so that's the biggest thing, I think. You know, what's really interesting is when I auditioned for Cirque, I'd actually never seen a Cirque show before. But I had done my, re- obviously, before you go to an audition, you do your research. And I knew a lot, of, a lot of dancers who had been casted in shows. And so I knew what it was about. But it's an interesting audition because... Uh, like we said before, you're auditioning for the database. So it's not like you're auditioning for Hairspray the musical. So it's different. You don't need to come, you know, fully in your 50s outfit. But you have to come as like a base, but your best base. But it was interesting because I remember we were all prepping for the audition. And people were like, okay, am I going to wear, should I wear a green leotard and green bodysuit? And I'm like, I don't think so. I, I don't know. I feel like I'm just going to be myself and make sure I wear like the lipstick that makes me feel my most confident but it's really it is a hard uh line to balance when you're going into a circ audition because I think everybody's like I need to be the acrobat oh gosh and the acrobat <laughs> so that's the biggest like you know the biggest myth about Cirque that you have to be an acrobat to become a dancer at Cirque and that is so untrue I mean yes there are you know a handful of roles that require to be a dancer acrobat but most of those do not you know we actually want really strong dancers and that's it and if if there happens to be like a harness aerial cue in the show then that's fine like you'll learn you know, as long as we know you're not afraid of heights and we'll verify that before we get the contract, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you're totally right. As far as Cirque goes, it was really come as you. Otherwise, you're really, you're really like minimizing the options or, or the vision that the, the director or the casting director would, would have for you. You know, there were so many projects existing and so many projects coming up and things that we would just have like our scouts in Montreal call and be like, you know, the next project, we may need somebody like this, this and this. So just keep an eye for it. 
it may not happen, but we would still have to get them into the database. And we can't tell you that, you know? Um, so, so many things that we can't share and that yet that you may fit as yourself uh, was always the, the, the thing that, that was so special about Cirque, that if you can come as you, you may actually be the perfect person for that, even though you think you don't fit any of the existing roles, you know? Absolutely, no, and I, I think so fondly back to um, my time in the audition room for Cirque because it was, um, Sarah, you and the entire casting team did such a good job of like fostering that, that creative artistry. And um, I remember there's so many, obviously there's the excitement and the nerves, right? Cause everybody's, you, you want the job and there's so many people in there and, and it's, it's such a, a, a long but beautiful process. But like, I remember in some of the improv, um, improv scenarios like and partnering work that you do like some of the coolest moments that that you couldn't even try to recreate and it's just those magic that that stripped away um raw moments of 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 just pure artistry that that i think back of that were so fondly um in engraved in my brain so i mean props to you guys and, and the entire team um for, for, for fostering that. But at the same time, for each, for every beautiful moment, I feel like there's also got to be a handful of awkward, funny, uh, crazy moments. If I recall uh, correctly, there was one time at Millennium where, where there were holes in walls from people doing backflips off of them. <laughs> so um, what other funny um, kind of offbeat stories, if any, do you have that you, from auditions that you could share? Um, so yeah, the hole in the wall was definitely a nice one because we were trying to build a good relationship with Millennium as well. It was a brand new studio. We were so excited. And here we are, this guy gets so excited to do a backflip and the wall is literally papier mâché and his foot goes right through it. Uh, we eventually fixed it for them. So that's fine. <laughs> uh, but that's, that was a fun moment. And I think I swore and you can hear it on the audition video. <laughs> F like F bomb in the video because I was like, oh no, not the studio. Uh, so we've had our share of, you know, artists that didn't have much spare aware space awareness and mm -hmm. that would like land on a bar or things like that. But I think like the the funnest one, actually there's a couple. We had a dancer come with their solo and their solo included some kind of like hatchet. And and like I an remember axe? there was a month. Like, like a, yeah, like an axe, like a, like a... That sounds safe, okay. A weapon. Yeah, very and, and I remember we were in Montreal and I turned to my colleague Rick and I was like, well, are we insured for these things? <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, the thing just flies off in the middle of the number and everybody had to move away. Thankfully, nobody got hurt. But I remember just dying laughing behind my little notebook like we called it and, and <laughs> unfortunately it wasn't a great routine so that, oh, that no. didn't help them but that was that was a fun one and then in a clown edition we had um a girl come in and her her number was you know very into this whatever ball that looked like a little tiny earth and she was very much talking to it the whole number. And at the end of it, she opened it and a rat came out. Oh, get out. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. That took such a turn. I did not know you were going to say that. <laughs> well, she had the element of surprise, except I have a massive phobia for rodents. So 
I took a jump like five feet behind my <laughs> oh. chair. Everybody was just like, oh my gosh. And thankfully she didn't just let that go because I was going to lose it. Um, and, and it's so bad because we ended up not keeping this girl because of her skills. But I really think that she thought we cut her because of the rat. <laughs> so that was, that was a little sad, but yeah, it took me a minute. Like I was shaking. Like it was, oh, yeah. yeah, that was intense. But these are the two probably that I would bring up as far as like crazy things happen. So if you're listening, maybe avoid bringing um, small animals to your next audition. I don't know. <laughs> Food for thought. Well, you know, I, I, at least with Cirque du Soleil, it is still known as the circus without animals. <laughs> yes. I thought you were going to say a baby or a dove. I was like, oh, a beautiful dove came out. Or like, I don't know why a baby. I don't know why a baby would be no. more normal. It was her <laughs> pet rat. That is shocking. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. See, if it was a snake, I would have. I honestly am not the biggest fan of rodents either. But if it was a snake, I would have. I would have cried and I've, yeah before my time before my time uh, I remember they were doing like open auditions for like all styles because that's when Cirque was trying to fit the database with like belly dancers and all kind of things just in case mm -hmm. and I remember you know stories of people doing like snake dances and stuff and like I'm so glad I wasn't there <laughs> well it's amazing that your career has you know, brought you so many memories that I'm sure you've cherished and it just keeps moving forward. You know, everything moves in those phases and in waves and it's incredible. So you're very fortunate. And honestly, Taylor and I and so many other people appreciate you, you know, always taking the time to encourage us and to come watch the shows. And I know that was part of the job, but we so appreciate it. And you were just always someone that we could go to and email and reach out to and still to this day. So we really appreciate you being so open because I know a lot of times in the dance community don't get that luxury of being able to communicate with people that they look up to. And so we are really appreciative of that. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for saying that. For me, it was really a, a, you know, how can I, I can't just drop you in the show and then be done with it, you know, mm -hmm. like it, it's really a, a, yes, it was a part of the job to see how you guys evolve and make sure that, you know, you were, you were doing well, but also like there's, you know, this mama bear in me that was like, well, these are, these are my kids, you know, like if I've put them there, I need to make sure they're okay. <laughs> um, so, so you guys are definitely, you know, definitely part of that and always will be. Uh, even even beyond Cirque, even even beyond all this, you know, I think these are connections where there's there's a little bit of feel of like responsibility, you know, for this path that you guys took, and I'm so proud that you guys are just soaring from there, you know. Well, thank you, seriously, Sarah. Thank you so much for for your years of of guidance, of wisdom, of inspiration. Um, and for these past 40 minutes of getting to pick your brain and see your face again, um, we really, really appreciate it. And I know our listeners are going to just absolutely love um, all of the great, great things that you have to say. So, but if, um, if our listeners want to catch up with you, follow up with you, where can they find you? Like uh, Instagram, social media, what's best? 
Gosh, I am on Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, you know, if anybody reaches out to you and, and need to, to talk to me, I mean, feel free to share my email out. That's totally fine. I'm an open book. Uh, I, I very much believe in helping the next generation. And I really wish that I had that help and that support uh, growing up. Um, so I love that you guys are doing that because this is such good insights for, for this generation that is now just waiting to get on. Uh, but yeah, I'm a strong believer on, on, uh, of really pushing and helping them. So anytime, I'm, I'm always open for a question or an advice or even just sharing, you know, all the good and the bad. Of course. Thank you so much, Sarah. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you guys so, so much. All right. Stay well. Thank you.